so yeah let's I'll just review this real quick yeah have a, let's have a so we're just from just from oh my goodness <clears throat> just from there i meant to read all this well i just kind of <laughs> i just put that there <laughs> All right, welcome back, listeners, to the Lemon Podcast with um, myself, Jesse, and my partner in crime, Christian. Hello. This is episode seven of season two. Uh, it's a beautiful Friday morning in Melbourne. Um, the birds are chirping, the weekend's lurking. Um, <laughs> we're in the lovely um, Melbourne suburb of Windsor uh, today, and um, I'm, I'm excited, Christian. We've got a very special guest on the show today. Um, yes. I'm particularly excited about this one. We've had a few reschedules, but you know, like all good things in life, um, patience is, is very important. So, would you like to introduce our guest for us today? Yes, today on the show, we've got Katie from Yumi, is apparently the right way to say it. Um, okay. We have been waiting for this one for a little while, a couple of reschedules, but like Gary V, I saw Gary V on Tuesday. It was very, uh, no, Tuesday or Wednesday. I saw him this week, and it was very exciting. And he did talk about patience and having the patience to, to, to you know, succeed with things so we're very excited to have you here welcome to the show you've done some amazing things thank you um a lot in food waste and that part of the supply chain so really if you just give us the you know the 10 second spiel as to who you are how you got involved and you know your bullet points of of background yeah well i'm katie barfield founder of yumi and uh my journey into food waste or my sort of passion at reducing food waste there's a journey that started over 12 years ago as the founding CEO of Second Bite, which is a food rescue organisation um, here in Australia. Um, started off with me and a group of volunteers going down to the Pram Market and picking up um, leftover fruit and veg at the end of trading and taking it down to Sacred Heart Mission and Paran Mission, which is just down the way here, funnily enough. I've kind of come full circle. <laughs> and um, and we, it just built from there, really. And I was there for nearly seven years and sort of took it from that to... To a national organisation where we were collecting millions and millions of kilos of food every year, um, and had a national partnership with Coles, and uh, yeah, providing a, an awful lot of meals for people who were struggling to put a good feed on the table. So that was uh, businesses giving to people who can't afford food. Yeah, and we were really the logistics that got the food from A to B. So there's plenty of people that want to give food. There's plenty of people hmm. that need to receive, um, you know, support with with their food bills and with getting access to fresh, nutritious food. But what was missing was the kind of the infrastructure to connect the two together. And so Mm. really, um, we were, I used to call us sort of the unsexy side of uh, food rescue. We were basically logistics, Mm. um, but it's critical because you can have as many people wanting to donate food as as you like and as many people needing to receive it. But if you haven't got the logistics to get A to B, then you've got nothing. Because the business will deliver something to the customer, mm. but then, you know, anything that's in, because it's not grade A, it's not class A fruit, or is it? Um, well, this isn't Yumi, so this is second bite. Second so second bite, bite um, we often saw, well, sometimes you would see grade A. I mean, and, and certainly at Yumi, a lot of the product that we move is absolutely first grade. Right, mm. right, right. Yeah. So it was second bite, and then how did Yumi come about? It is, sorry, just just to clarify for our listeners, yeah. there, there, this is one of the, one of the talking points is, the pronunciation, it's not uh, yum. No, no, it's yumi. Yumi. Because so, <laughs> it's, it's got the two dots. It does. Above the, well, that's above the U. So that doesn't even I actually thought that either, was potentially like, so it's like a smiley it face. Is, oh, it, it, yeah, awesome. It is. <laughs> See, oh, you got that right. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, 
No, it's, it, the whole idea is it's you and me solving a problem together. It's a play on yummy and mm. also it means to dream in Japanese, you may. So the whole idea is kind of dreaming of a better future for everybody and the planet. Awesome. What is that better future? Uh, a world without waste. There we go. Wow, I think yeah. our job here is done. Yeah, so sorry, second bite, and then how did, how did you mean come about? Um, well, obviously I'm very passionate about food mm. rescue, but I did realize that there was a lot of food that was still going to waste that uh, second bite wasn't being offered and nor were any of the food rescue organizations. So I looked at the picture as a whole and zoomed out and <clears> realized that, um, you know, 5.3 million tons of food goes to waste in Australia every year. Wow. Um, 2.2 million tons of that is happening in the commercial food waste space. So that is product before it even gets to a household. Wow. And to give you context on that, because it's such a huge figure, people find it really hard to contextualize. Um, if you think of a pallet of food, like a one and a half meter by one and a half meter pallet. Um, what sort of food? Uh, any food, but yep. let's say you put a ton of food on that, yep. right? Um, and it would be about 1.5, 1.6 meters high. And you stacked 2.2 million of them on top of each other, which is how much food goes to waste in the commercial food sector. That would take you out into, into the sky. It would take you out of Earth's atmosphere. It would take you right through space and onto the International Space Station eight times over. That's just commercial food waste just in Australia. Every year? Every year. We throw That's it Wow. That's terrible. It's disgraceful. Yeah, it's unsustainable. And what we do instead, in our wisdom, is we bury it in the ground where it creates methane that poisons us. So we're very wow. smart. And, and so what I realized was at Second Bite, and between mm. Second Bite, Oz Harvest, Fair Share, and Food Bank, we were actually moving 2% of that amount. Wow. So I realized you can't scale that. You can't just, and what really, who wants to put all of those vans and warehousing in place, really, when there's enough support. already there? Mm. You've just got to use the latent assets. So mm. I realized that um, you know, technology was obviously going to be a way to get scale because once you show visibility of where product is, then you know human beings can be very creative. Yes. I mean, I've just come off a call to, from a massive um, manufacturer that heard about the fact there is um, about 20 tonne of honeycomb that goes to waste every, every month in one particular factory that's part of the manufacturing process. These are, this happens all the time. Um, and they've come up with an idea of, well, why don't we look at turning that into another product like beer and you know, creating it and putting it as a bit of a craft challenge. So you know, people are very creative. They come up with these amazing ideas of how you can utilize product that would otherwise go to waste. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's perfectly good. It's made you know, a sterile plant. Maybe this needs to be one of the topics for the next idea thon. It's yeah. We've got all this waste, this incredible amount of waste being mm. produced. What's a what's another product that can be created out of it? Yeah, I can mm. give you heaps of ingredients that you can come up with. That well, we've got to get you involved in the next idea thon. Yeah. Excuse for us to go to a tasting. Is like we're sampling your work, chef. Can we come to the restaurant, please, free? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's that's kind of why I started Yumi was because mm. I realised that we needed to get to a significant scale to actually be able to have any impact on that food waste pile. So I'm very curious, so that's how Yumi came about. Where, if there's that much waste being created, it's 2.5 million tons? 2.2. 2.2 million mm -hmm. tons. Uh, at what stage of the supply chain process is that being created most? Is it once it's gotten to the consumer? Is it in the main? No, that's before process? consumer. So that's before consumer. So that's pre-consumer, pre it's commercial. It's commercial. So that's, so that's the farm, so we've got a farm going to manufacturing, 
and then from manufacturing to distributor, somewhere in that those Correct. one of those three links, we're losing two point five million tons. Two point two. Two point two million tons of food. Yeah. yeah. That is incredible. Like, yeah. So, so is that because we did? Uh, I did watch the War on Waste. The War on Waste is a fantastic. Did you see the big the bananas? Oh, that the was piece on us. The yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, documentary yeah. on us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's incredible. Like, yeah, it's. Mm. The follow the cream cheese. That was the that the consignment that Craig and I followed on film. There was around um, the fifteen tons of cream cheese that was going to go to waste, mm. um, and instead went through to dip manufacturers that men made dips and put them into the Queen Victoria markets, mm. etc., where people that, could yeah. actually buy it. So, you know, I mean, there is a lot of awareness kind of around that now. Yeah, there was a there was an interesting. I think there is it. There's a season two. Or was it another? That was that, that was, was season, the one we were on. That was season season two. Season two yeah, because yeah. there was another bit where. Um, it's a slightly slight deviation, but on the Grave Street in mm-hmm. Melbourne, mm. that's right. there's a whole, all the little yeah. restaurants combined to collect that's the food waste, and yeah. it's a much more efficient process to do it. Yeah. So there are there are there are incredible initiatives. No, there's some, there's, ama- there's some amazing stuff happening, and um, it, it's funny because I I actually only got onto the whole war on waste thing, um, did, like in season two. I, did, I wasn't even aware of season one, but um, like when it when it came out, but I got I got behind it so hard, and and like it's literally it's changed my life in terms of the way that I now consume and um and think about things um I mean I already like Christian knows basically wear the same thing every day so like fast fashion isn't really an issue for me um (laughs) but but just in terms of food waste like we used to not even compost at home now we compost um yeah and it's just really small incremental things and I think you know like one of the awesome things about what you're doing as well is that um it makes it makes people realize that you don't sure it's amazing to, to have huge vision and, and you know you, and you can create something um, at tremendous scale right and leverage technology and all that but not everybody has those those skills and, and ability to do that but everybody can look at their own you know the supply chain of home that yeah that's exactly we had another episode yeah, on the supply chain of home the entire first season of lemon was explaining the supply chain of home <laughs> to try and put it in context of so what people would understand and one yeah. of them was uh, waste which we won't recap that episode now. They got a little bit got a bit of hand, but um, yeah, that, yeah, that's definitely one of the ways that you can address it. But in it, but we're talking about a commercial sense mm. here. Mm-hmm. So what is uh, like? A, there's a three-step process on on the website as to how Yumi does it. Could you just go through that really quickly? Like, well, I mean, it's quite simple. If there's a, a large uh, primary producer, manufacturer, distributor, any large business that has surplus food and for mm. a variety of reasons, mm. um, it could be majority of its cancelled orders. So one of the major supermarkets will cancel an order on a supplier and they're literally left with the stock um, and they may have no avenue through to market for that yeah. because it's been specifically um, packaged for that customer. Yeah, for a particular application. And then once that customer cancels the order, they're stuck with product in an unusual format. Yep. I can give you an example. So if we think about yellowfin tuna yep. um, that you normally buy in tins, there was 27 tons of it that was packaged into little 50 gram sachets that were see-through um, with no um, ingredients on them because they were destined to go into those salad packs. You know, the salad packs where you kind of, you buy your salad pack and you've got you know, Asian salad, so you'll get noodles and dressing and whatever your bits and yes. you sort of make it on this sort of salad on the run. Yep, yep. Um, and they decided not to go ahead with that particular product. So this supplier was left holding 550,000 sachets of yellowfin tuna <laughs> wow. that couldn't be sold because it had no labelling on it. And to label 550,000 sachets would have been astronomical. 
So, wow. you know, that's that's one of the challenges. We actually managed to place all of that tuna into different places. Wow. So what would have happened if Yumi wasn't around? It would have been binned. So that would have gone to landfill? 100%. With the plastic and all? 100%. Yep. It's, that's amazing. Um, yeah. I mean, I used to work for a FMCG um, business, and, and so the issue that you literally just spoke about is something that I've, I was on. We were on the receiving end of as well, and yeah. and you're right. Like, um, even thinking about like what can you do with it, um, it is is an incredibly difficult proposition for the business because, um, you know, like how are you meant to resell that stock? How can you even at least just contain the cost that has gone into creating that product, right? Um, and it's not your core business because you've built, you've, you've right. been tailor-made <clears throat> for a specific client. Yeah. And so now you've still got all of your other business that you've got to attend to. So you don't have the bandwidth to mm. have salespeople reaching out to completely new markets for yeah. a one-off product that you'll never ever make again. Mm. And you do that so for them. We do that for them. Yeah, so what we right. do is we have a whole, um, we've got um, over 1,300 people that have signed up as buyers or suppliers, majority of them buyers on the website. Um, that are part of the, the community really and we'll just shoot that out and with the tuna you know we kind of were scratching our heads like, where on earth are we going to place that quantity of tuna in that format we eat a fair bit at home probably not that much but... probably not that much <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we put it out on social um, as a last ditch attempt to oh, wow. try and get some traction and it did it kind of went, went bonkers because people just couldn't bear the thought of it and I find that you know people really they want to do the right thing and mm. it's just they don't know about the size of the problem. As soon as you, you give know, people the problem mm. and they'll find a way to solve it, like the honeycomb into mm. beer or the, the tuna went into Harris Farms, stepped up to the plate, amazing, mm. and they took a load of it and sold it in store in yeah. batches of 10 with a label. Um, so their customers got a fantastic deal. It was premium tuna. I can't tell you the brand because we weren't allowed to, but it was if you go to a supermarket and you buy the most premium brand of mm. tuna on the supermarket shelves, it was this brand. Right. Um, so like it was, and it was in, it's totally fresh. So it was, yeah, a, a win. Wow. My question is, uh, what stops a like a wholesale manufacturer of food? What stops them going to the market rather than to Yumi? Mm. What do you mean? That was actually one of my questions. So once the relationship, so you're effectively a connector, right? Like mm. you've got a two-sided marketplace, and you're yeah. bridging that gap. Yeah. Once the relationship's established between the um, the, the supplier and the wow. retailer, the buyer, mm-hmm. um, like, and that relationship is is kind of strengthened. Um, where like is there a risk that they just kind of go direct or like I suppose suppose disintermediation which is what Mm. you're talking about is always a risk Um, but most of the product is one-offs so Mm. you know so it's not cost efficient it's resource efficient to because it's not like a business is like oh let's 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 have like let's have a risk of obsolescence and let's you know plan for the fact that we're going to have lots of waste and then yeah, resell no it. No, no one's, no. And, <laughs> so, the other, yeah. and the other thing is you pro- you, you're providing uh, time saving. Like it's Absolutely. much easier yeah. for people to go, okay, you know, I've got all this, all this food, I don't yeah. know what to do with it. Or <clears> rather than stress about this, I have all these other orders I have to exactly. attend to, call them up or go on the website or, or whichever way it goes and they'll take care of it for me. Mm. Exactly. I mean, and the yeah. other thing is that with that tuna as an example, it didn't just go to Harris Farms, it went to a number of different buyers. Yeah. Mm. So I think it went to in total about eight different buyers. 
<clears throat> to move that kind of quantity. So it's just all managed through us. There's one place of billing, one place of you know that gives you all of the information for them to have to manage and maintain mm. those eight customers that are opportunistic on a product they'll probably never get again. Doesn't really make a lot of sense. I think where there's more chance of disintermediation is where we have recurring yeah, surplus. Recurring. Um, and then what we have to do is just make sure we're delivering enough value back. I mean, apart from the fact that it would be in breach of our terms and conditions and we could go back to them and cut them off, which we've done with one person. Right. So we just cut them off. And then they've lost the opportunity to use Yumi again. Use so platform, if they yeah. want to do that and play that game, well, good on them. Mm. Because it'll be a short-lived game. Mm. Do you, so how do you see it playing out going forward? Can we get to a point in time where there is no food waste? I think we'll have to. I don't think it's a question of whether or not we want to. Um, in order to feed survive. everybody? Yeah, yeah. To survive. I mean, it, it, and it probably sounds dramatic, but a quarter of the world's water goes to grow the 1.3 billion tonnes of food that no one eats. So if you think about that, that's 1.3 trillion kilograms being thrown away every year. We've got people on the planet starving. We've got climate change hitting, making food production more challenging. That it's not sci-fi stuff to realise that food security is going to become a very real issue, probably not in our lifetime, mm. but certainly in our children or our children's children's lifetime. And we're going to grow the population by another 2 billion, yet we're pulling out more food than we could possibly eat now and then burying it, making the ground, you know, poisoning the atmosphere mm. and creating more climate change. So, you know, it's... It's just common sense if you follow through that logic that there is, it will happen that if we continue the way we're going, we will run out of food. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. So I don't think it'll be a question of um, what we're trying to do is make sure that people are aware of the seriousness of the problem. Um, they come out of their vacuum and actually realise the harm that we're causing now. Um, that our generations to come are going to inherit and that this is a call to action and we're asleep at the wheel. Yeah, because we mm. do live in a very lucky, unbelievably lucky country in, oh. in Melbourne. We're one Australia. of the worst polluters. Do you know, Australia yeah. is disgraceful. <clears throat> we're, our waste, um, our generation of waste is growing at double the rate of our population. We are shocked. Wow. Because we are one of the most well, wasteful countries we're, on we're the just, planet. And I think to your point, we've got so much we're just, land, we bury it. Yeah. You can't do that in Europe. So... Um, Sweden, so had to be more efficient. Sweden just had to has be. no landfill. It doesn't exist there. You, you speak to somebody from Sweden here and talk to them about the fact that those bins outside of your house go to a landfill. Mm. They just, their mouths will hit the floor. What, you've got landfill? What, yeah. are you in the dark ages? <laughs> you bury stuff? Seriously? You can't do that in Sweden. It doesn't exist. Because there's no land yeah. and because they've... They cut, so what they do is they create energy out of it. They've got incinerators. They, they've got... New forms you know, of value, yeah. Yeah, anaerobic um, digestives that uh, just create... We've got one in Victoria, which is an amazing plant at Yarra Valley, but, you know, we've got one. They've, just, that, they've got them in every town, which is where you take all of your waste, your food waste, and guess what? You create electricity from it. Well, that's smart. But no, in Australia, we'll just open up another coal mine because we're so progressive. I'm actually really ashamed of this country. Wow. So why aren't we doing that? Why aren't we bringing that kind of technology here? Talk to your politicians. <laughs> so it's a legislative issue. Yeah, totally. Yeah. While you've got governments <clears throat> supporting the opening of an Adani mine, not investing into renewables, and therefore keeping that entire industry from really thriving, you're not going to get the change that you need. And keeping the status quo rather than letting it mm. I think what you what you touched on is a really interesting point. Um, I think 
we're almost a victim of um, the opportunities that we have in Australia yeah. in terms of like we have so much space. We haven't got the constraints that a lot of these other countries have got, which have forced them to be innovative and creative. Correct. And so because of the fact that we've had it so easy, yeah. we've just done the easy thing rather than actually think creatively and, and you know, using our, our minds to, to come up with these new solutions. And it's come to this point now where we're in a really, we're in a, actually a very, very difficult spot and we have to make these drastic changes. And obviously credit to yourself for like, um, for really, driving this this change and bringing light to this issue because otherwise people look well, i didn't even know about the war on waste like until like i said earlier yeah. this year like, we didn't start composting at home until earlier this year so yeah. and i um, think because that's got to be a mm. big part of it surely it's people uh, are so unaware of the issue mm. that it takes you know evangelists and, and the right mm. awareness of the concept in yeah. order to do something about it because i'm sure if, you know if there was much more visibility around the issue around this concept of you know we're wasting so much food then people would be would be much more uh, you know they would I, I mean I, I mean that's the thing people really um, want to do the right thing and whenever we I've never had anyone turn around to us when we put out you know information about a particular consignment of food that's about to go to waste to say oh just dump it you know, people are just desperately want to see mm. something good happen to it. Um, often we get asked, you know, well, why is, did, you, did you just make sure it's donated? And there are reasons for that. I mean, that supplier that got stuck with that tuna, he was in debt to the tuna of half a million dollars on the basis of that consignment. So he couldn't just donate that because he was a family business. So, you know, and, and a lot of farmers are really holding on, like, you know, by a thread yeah, to their farms. Yeah. Oh. And... You know, people come up and say, well, just donate it. Well, there's a cost to donate. If you're actually going to mm. donate food, and this is one of the things I realized at Second Bite, to donate food, you're not only asking that farmer to give up all of the inputs and the costs that went to grow that food, you're then going to ask him to in, 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 have extra cost in picking it because yeah. yep. it costs money to pick fruit. <laughs> you need people. <laughs> you won't got to pack to it. And then you've got to... Transport it. Yeah, the cost of generosity. Yeah, yeah and even <laughs> literally if, the cost. Absolutely, yeah. and even if no one you thinks know, about it. Yeah, no, and even if you, but we're all the time we go, well, just donate it. And it's like, well, it's actually not that easy. There's logistics costs, there's packing yeah, correct, costs, yeah. there's labour costs, there's refrigeration costs. Uh, there's mm. so many costs. So actually, you know, I've been in, I've been in meadows and orchards with farmers and seen, like seriously, fourth generation farmers absolutely brought to tears. As they look at a field of, um, this was particularly peaches, um, they look at an orchard of peaches with the peaches on a tree and they can't afford to donate it and they don't want, the, you know, they want money for their product but they just watch it drop off the trees and they're just like, they're ripping out their trees and it's just wrong, you know, heartbreaking. it's heartbreaking and there's a lot of suicide in that community because yeah. they're very proud people. Oh. And they're, they're tough people too. Really tough people. To see someone like that just not be able to handle it is unbelievable. Yeah. So, you know, donation isn't always the answer. I mean, Because that's the difference. Food buy, uh, food bank and wow. second buy, they yeah. they take donations correct, of food correct. and then give them to other other businesses or... To community food programs. To community yeah. food programs. Yeah. Whereas the, the big difference here is Yumi takes uh, food that has not been 
it's not usable anymore because an order has been cancelled or whatever other reason. Yeah. And you sell it to somebody mm. else. Correct. And give a return mm. straight back to and the person that put it on the platform. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's economically Correct. sustainable. Because mm. that, that was one of the questions I have was around, because there's quite a few of these different businesses. There's Oz Harvest and... Um, They're all charitables. Yeah. We're, yeah. Not, we're not. I'm de- de- I'm, I mean, I'm very deliberately for purpose, for profit. Mm. And I've done that deliberately so that we don't take any charitable funds away from food rescue because I think we have the opportunity to become... My, my dream for Yumi is that it becomes a sustainable business model. It's not at the moment. We, we've we've mm. had to take on board investment to even... And we're not profitable yet. Yeah. And we're, we're, we mm. won't be for some time. But what we are doing is growing. So um, it, we're, we're kind of this interesting mix of a very mission-driven tech startup. Mm. Yeah. So everybody that works at Yumi is, is mission-driven, but we're also in a very you know difficult space of tech startup, which is really hard. And two-sided marketplace, even harder. And food. And food, like I mean, it's just a trifecta of food, pain. Yeah. Of it really is. Like food yeah. has a perishable, perishable that yeah. you know, extremely short lifespan. And I, I, you know, we won the last last week. We were the first company ever in history to win three premiers. I was literally just going to ask you. I've, I've had a note on that. So you, you, um, um, was it last week? You're a recipient yeah. of, of three categories. Yeah. Oh, just lost the note. I can um, tell you if you like. Yeah, please, please tell our <laughs> listeners. Yeah, three awards in, yeah. in three different categories. Um, it was amazing. Yeah, so we, we, we were finalists in three categories. There was innovation, um, environmental protection, and small and medium businesses. Well done. And we, we were really humbled by winning the innovation, innovative services, and the small and medium businesses, and then taking out the overall premiers award for the evening. So it, it kind of got a little bit to the point where we're like, oh no, we've got three awards on the table. This is we felt a bit embarrassed. <laughs> but you know, it was it was Everyone really else good. It was. I mean, one of the things I said in in my one of my acceptance speeches was, you know, this isn't to back to that sort of startup and how hard it is. Mm. Is that you know, I'm not the kind of typical face of a um, of a, a tech startup founder, you know, I don't have a beard. I'm in my forties. Yeah, wait, wait, no, because Jesse and I talk about. This I drink time. beer written on my t-shirt. Oh my god, this is so they're, funny. They're try, we, we have, we've observed something about every single TV show, video, <laughs> uh, web, whatever it is, anything. Silicon Valley, like, like the TV show, yeah. You, the, the sample of things you must have in order to be a must startup. Have. You must have a whiteboard with texts. You must be writing on it. You cannot wear anything with a collar because that's too formal, and you yeah. have to use a Mac. Like yeah. The, and you, the, well, I've is... got one of the three. Okay, I don't have a whiteboard. Um, I do, I do, I do wear, I do dress up at times, yeah. and I, um, but I do, I do work on a Mac. The so Mac's really I've important. I mean, the Mac, a couple of stickers on the back as well. No yeah, stickers, you, sorry. Uh, so, no, you're you're a clean skin, yeah. Not in the <laughs> I'm not, and I don't have a beard, and I have two children, um, and I'm in my 40s. So, you know, and I'm a female. So in the food industry, so like I should never have got Yumi to this point. It, the odds are so stacked against me. Yeah. And I don't come from a tech background. And that's just amazing. And wow, the lights just went off and now it's not a party. <laughs> we still have the laptop. That's all right. Give us a light. No, it'll just be sensors. I'll just, you just, you just walk down there and walk back up again. It'll come back on. <laughs> Let there be light. Let there be light. <laughs> Let there be light. Uh, it's it's alright. It's all right. It's nice and intimate. There we go. This, this is the rawness of lemon. This it's okay. Like, it's good. It's real life. It's real hey, life. Maybe we need to we need to brand somehow and get get lemon producers. That's okay. Uh, well, well, lemon producers onto Yumi. I was just thinking exactly. That's what I was just thinking. Lemon. I was literally just thinking. I was like lemons, like 
There's got to be, like, I'm sure you'd be dealing, be you're dealing with all sorts of different food, right? We can be spokespeople mm. for the lemon industry. There you go. <laughs> all right, when we get lemons, I'll call on you guys. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, do you guys want 30,000 tons of lemons? Um, I mean, I'll expect lot. the answer to be yes. Straight in the garage. Let's go. <laughs> so I can throw them at you. Wait, <laughs> uh. we can buy it. No, hold on. We can buy it and we'll create a lemonade stand. Okay. You need a hell of a lot of lemonade stands. Yeah. So like a no, but this is the whole this is the whole like startup thing. It's like, what do you start? We'll start a lemonade stand. Well, let's create. Let's get everyone who's ever wanted to start a business. They've now got an unlimited supply of lemons <laughs> and lemonade, and everyone likes lemonade. Who so yeah, sorry, that's you want some you want awards and they're very yep. much like and you are completely not um the stereotypical startup. No, tech definitely startup not. Animal, which is, and I mean awards. Power to you. Power awesome. yeah. to Yumi. Thank you. Yeah. I mean well awards are, are great, but at the end of the day what we need to do is see results. So I mm. I we well, try this goes back to the sustainable yeah. sustainability part. Because um we we did talk about this a fair bit where you can have a fantastic cause. But if the business is not sustainable, if it doesn't actually sustain itself making money, paying yeah. for the people to work in it and operate it, then it's not a sustainable business. Correct. So you can be doing the most amazing That's correct. Uh, green initiative, whatever it might be, yeah. but if it doesn't actually make money to support itself, then it's a, it's a loss. Like well, you, then, I mean, then Yumi would have to turn, turn to a charity if that mm. happened, you know, because that's what charities are. Charities don't make any money. Yeah. They um, rely on the... You know the kindness of foundations and the comp- how compelling their story is to get grants, um, and at Second Bite, I mean, I spent seventy percent of my day was out just trying to find money for Second Bite to keep it going, wow. and that was one of the reasons I didn't want to do that again because I wanted to actually focus on my business, not on just mm. trying to persuade people to give me money. And then you end up in a startup where you have to go and persuade people to give you money. Yeah. So then you actually get going. And you're like, oh, hang on a minute, I've come full circle. But, um, but you know, at least we've got the we've got a plan that's going to get us to where we'll be able to pay for ourselves, um, or at the very least, we can take on board more investment as we scale. Because the the challenge always in startup is, you know, break even point always looks very attractive, but there's a there's a huge cost to break even, which is you can't grow. So mm-hmm. break even, you just you, you slash your cost base. So you, you halve your team and you, you just chase a couple of big deals, but that's not really a vibrant marketplace. Mm. So at the moment, what we're doing in this latest sprint, I run the whole business in sprints, in three month awesome. sprints, because awesome. it has to be, because things fantastic. change so quickly. This is, oh, oh, this is so interesting. The, we love this. Yes, yeah. because <laughs> you, have, you, have, you have businesses which go, well, here's our annual budget, or here's our no. five year plan. Oh my goodness, and yeah. I was talking about this last night with some friends, um, At least you spoke about this on the way here. We spoke about it again on the way here. Whereas you can't, like the contemporary way to do a business is you can't have a five-year plan and go, oh, this is when we break even, this is what we're doing, and we're going to yeah. invest in it. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, you need to invest in the infrastructure to allow your business to operate or whatever the operation mm-hmm. is. But then you have to iteratively walk that path. Always. Okay. You have to build a team that's capable of doing that. You do, and, and, and there aren't many people that are capable mm. of doing it. Like the amount of people that come, you know very quickly whether someone's going to be able to, 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 to stick it or not. Yeah, because it's not easy. You, you, you cannot just expect, if you think to come into a startup, you're going to come in, you're going to get a job spec, you're going to sit there and you're going to the be able thing, to yeah. do, yeah. you'll know a clear path of where you're going to be this time next year. You've got no idea. You yeah. might not even be here next, this time next year because yeah. the, 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 the business might have needed to pivot. And yeah. that job becomes, you know, obsolete. So you, you've got to have people that you need. You need a lot of generalists in the beginning. People mm-hmm. who can do multiple hats. Mm, yeah, wear m- many, many hats. I wear so many hats. You know, I'll be doing PR. I'll be doing filming more on waste, and I'll be sitting in front of a big multinational trying to persuade them that they need to give us the food rather than putting it in deep burial. And then I'll be <laughs> <laughs> just a couple of lemons. Yeah. <laughs> 
bunch of lemon heads. Oh man. And then I'll be, you know, then the next thing I've, I'm delivering a sample of bacon bits up to somebody oh. in uh, up, up in North Melbourne because, you know, I've got the car outside and we've got the cool cool box and they've just come in and off we go, you know, and and everything wow. in between down to, you know, writing emails and ideas, then holding a strategy meeting and then having to iterate, looking at metrics, constantly looking at metrics. What is our customer acquisition cost? What are we doing as, as startups? What's our retention? What's our churn? My brain explodes. And then I have to go home and I've got a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old oh boys who bounce off the walls more than their mother. My and it's wow. like my life's... And, and I'm doing October, so like, what's going on with my life? <laughs> I can't even go oh to a glass of wine and turn my brain off. So I was up at three o'clock this morning writing notes to myself. I'm like, oh, this is just nuts. It's a, oh we, my goodness. We, we should do another this episode is, on, this is on, awesome. on the balance yeah. and the mental health thing. This yes, is you something. should. Yeah, this, this, is, this is, yeah. That's actually a real issue with um, startup founders. I think we're the beauty of age and the fact that, you know, I'm not just straight, that there, there are the pros and cons to doing this at my age. Mm. I mean, I've been a sort of a serial startup because, you know, did Second Buy and then I did Spade and Barrow in between, which was a company I sold into Aussie Farmers Direct, which unfortunately Aussie Farmers Direct yeah, exists it's no under, more. It's, yeah. um, and, then, um, and then Yumi. But the difference between startup now and then when I did Second Buy, back then I didn't have kids. I had a lot more energy, a lot more time, but a lot less experience. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I've, I know I've got, I've got strategies that I can put into place because you know they work sort of thing yeah now to keep you I mean there are times when your mental health does kind mm. of you're strained because you just it's too many things too many things too many yep. plates spinning <laughs> and you, you're you running around trying to keep them all spinning and make sure nothing falls but mm. you know I do have strategies I do get up every single morning and do 30 minutes of of exercise brilliant and for me if I don't do that you're off. It doesn't feel. It doesn't. And feel and, right. and you can see. I so I know the warning signs now. The yeah. warning signs of you're about to break yourself. Ah, uh, I haven't done any exercise for a couple of weeks. I started coming home and having a glass of wine every night just uh. to turn the turn turn off the the noise. Um, I stop communicating with my friends as much. I, I just go into a home. And I, now I can self-awareness see. is amazing. Yeah, yeah. You the, it's it. amazing that what what you're saying right now, like how aware you are of your yourself. Mm. Um, and I think. Um, it's actually something that we talk about a fair bit. It's funny. It's what Gary Vee talks about. Um, but um, the Sorry, whole... Yeah. Gary... Yeah, Jesus, stop, Christian. Stop it. No, um, but just the whole ability to actually be able to read those signals yeah. in yourself. And I think if you hadn't gone through Second Bite and the other business... Spade and Spade Yeah, 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 yeah you, you, know, you wouldn't probably be in tune as, in tune as you are right now. But it's amazing yeah. insight mm. because... Okay. Uh, they think, I think the generation that's coming through school now, they are much more entrepreneurial by nature because they don't see the appeal of sitting in an office and doing the same thing. Absolutely. So they, they, they look at the startup world and go, okay, this is really exciting because mm. I don't have to do something really boring. Yeah. Um, but this is the, the truth of it is, and, and this is something that Gary Vee also talks about, is there is a, there is a massive amount of grind. There is a massive, massive Unbelievable amount of Unbelievable grind. I, you can't even begin to... Um, explain the grind that goes on and if you're doing something there are a few exceptions to the rule but they are the few and that is people that you know see you know the absolute growth trajectory but most startups it's lumpy as hell because you think oh I've got it I've got it I've got it I've, yes 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 product market fit oh no I haven't oh, yeah. again. oh you know and it's just this iterative process it's very rare to have it's, that it's a sign it's a sign wave yeah very it's un- not even smooth like a yeah. sign wave no it's very unusual to get that um, but, it's, but I, th- I think the um, to 
to sort of emphasize the point, the importance of, of being able to do it continuously is to believe in what you do. You have to actually care about the concept or, or care about the who you're working for or, or what you're working towards because that's the only thing that's really going to get you through. The only thing, if you don't passionately believe in your product, your service or your mission, don't even bother starting because yeah. you won't you won't succeed. You I guarantee you're all it. in on it, yeah. Get, you're all in. You're all in and that's the only thing that keeps you going when, especially in the food industry, there is you might work for a year on a large multinational that you know is throwing away hundreds and hundreds mm, of tons the whole time. a month. You can know that you can move that product, which is perfectly safe in great condition, through to another market and give them a return, and they won't give you access. And to keep pummeling away at that um, is just at times it's so demoralizing. Mm. But you know, then you'll get a breakthrough with someone, and you'll save 27 tons of tuna, or you'll prevent 15 tons of cream cheese, or something like this, and, and mm. it just feels so good. But you know, it's only tip of the iceberg. So we, you know, we all had a few sore heads going. last week yeah. when we won the Premier's Sustainability Awards. But you know, Monday morning it's back to the grind, and you know that was last week. This mm. is this week. There's, there's, there's new problems yeah. that have got to be overcome this week, and you know, you just got to dig deep. Yeah, and that and that's the, the yeah that's the big the big thing that I sort of try and focus on is it's not a all right let's plan it out and we're going to get to this yeah. point and then we're going to pivot and iterate and go to the next thing. It is literally every day you got to wake up and go okay this is a mentality. This is a, how do we solve this problem? How do we go to the next point? And the only fixed thing you have to be or can be fixated on is this is what we're getting towards. Mm -hmm. So if that's not understood by the organisation, yeah. like you're going towards something. Then you're really not really setting yourself up. Uh, as a business and people are not what are they going to rally behind if they're not mm. rallying towards this cause so if that's not clear for people it's hard it's going to I think in the future for corporates in the future mm. it's going to be a lot harder for them to incentivize the best people they're not going to attract talent I mm. mean if, I they, if they're not people yeah. I mean, unless you're mission driven yeah you need to be I, I think you need there needs to be a purpose people especially millennials they, they need I've got a lot of millennials at Yumi you know that they want a purpose. They need to be told why they're doing something. Um, not just what, they don't want to be told what to do. They want to be told why they're doing it. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, um, and it, you'll lose them very quickly. And you figure out you the just, how and the why as well. Yeah, yeah. And they, want, and they want to be part of everything. They want to be part <laughs> yeah. of every decision you make. Yeah. They want to know why you're doing what you're doing and what that might mean. So you have to get very used to answering a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to live tweet everything. Yeah, they need to live tweet. I am now, I am just getting in the car. I'll be in the office in yeah. like 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. They want to be able to watch everything you're doing. <laughs> yeah. you're going, I just put myself man. on live video. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's not weird Christian, Christian and I actually had this joke yesterday because we were like the whole kind of you know every business is becoming a, a PR company effectively and um, like the future kind of being that we're all going to have like video cameras strapped to ourselves and we're just going to be talking and pushing it on social media exactly. and that's how you create brand and da -da 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 -da. anyway um, no, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of the fact that I grew up. Another great thing about being in your 40s, I grew up in an era where, in my teens, there is no evidence anywhere. There is no photograph. There is no little video that's going to pop up and flash me out anywhere because it didn't exist. Oh, there were no mobile phones when I was a teenager. Oh, no, brilliant! Well, they were, but they were a brick. They were actually a brick. They were a brick. See, I can never run for office. I'm just screwed. Like yeah, you're stuck. Yeah. So many people are. And, and, you know, I really feel for my sons because, you know, I, I, when I was a teenager, I was able to make mistakes, get drunk mm. at parties, do silly things, um, do all the stuff mistakes. that yeah. kids do. Mm. And, and that you, you kind of, as part of growing into mm. adulthood and understanding what consequence means and, you know, all of those <laughs> things. And, 
and that's that and I don't have to look back with any of it and go oh that awful video yeah. of me drunk at that party <laughs> oh kissing that awful looking bloke oh with a, with a know, beard with and a beard and, 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 oh, and he has a Mac and, 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 like, this is ago. I don't you wouldn't have, have had a Mac back that, then anyway. you know so I think that yeah I don't know but that's, that's not your guys lives there's probably plenty of evidence out there well, no, about the lemons we're, yeah we're, we're kind of doing the wrong thing we're, we're oh. putting content out there and going pay attention to us yeah, what are you doing, guys? I don't know, yeah. we're doing the wrong thing. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a complete mess. We, uh, we are at a We point are, we are, yeah. Meeting to get to. I, I just wanted to say, just before you go, um, Katie, so I was having a look on the website, and um, obviously, you know, the mission is to um, create a world without, without waste. So I was having a look at some of these numbers. 162,000 kilograms of, of um, waste has been diverted from landfill. No. No? Half a million. Half a million. Oh, that, okay, maybe that number there. Old. Old. Oh, wow. So I can give you stats. So yes, growing Because really that was on the website, by the way. So just down uh, the bottom, I think. Nope, shouldn't be 152. Um, all right, I will get on to that. Thanks for piddling that up. That's all right. We're providing um, a service today. Yes. Providing <laughs> your service. Yeah, I will, I will look at that. Um, so it's 500,000. 500,000. Um, and it's over $2 million returned to Australian farmers and yeah, wow. manufacturers. Um, and that's that's a lot of water. So it's uh, about 1,000 tons of CO2 that's not been released into the atmosphere from all the food that we've we, we've diverted away from landfills. So, you know, there's a real environmental win. There's a win for the people that have received money for their product, and there's a win win for for you know, I guess the people that have bought the product because they've got it at a reduced cost and that's helped their yeah. bottom lines as well. So you know, it, there is no downside to what we're doing. Um, we hope that more people will. You know, step up, pay attention, and get involved. Uh, start speaking out. I often say that the only two things that big business will listen to, or government, are your wallet and your words. So government want your vote, mm, yeah. and big business wants your money. Yeah. So you know, the only message that if people could take away mm. is don't just blindly buy, and you know, participate in a broken food system. Try and seek out those that are trying to do the right thing. Um, local producers if you can buy direct from farmers markets I know it might cost a little bit more but you know at least you can when you're eating your Brussels sprouts you can feel really good about it yeah even if you don't like them <laughs> and um, and yeah and jump on our website which is exactly. yeah, Yumi okay yeah. so it's Y-U-M-E um, Yumi Food F-O-O-D YumiFood.com.au and you can join up as a friend of Yumi even if you're not a business to buy or sell and then you'll get regular emails about some of the activities we're doing some mm, of these awesome. big consignments the and you can yeah. spread the word Brilliant. and uh, you know we hope there'll come a day where we will be able to serve consumers as well it's a long awesome. way off but we hope that that day will come you're on socials as well Facebook we Instagram. are we're on Facebook Send the Twitter, Insta stuff it's great yeah. Insta Twitter yeah. Yeah, I don't do any of that. My millennials do that. <laughs> I would be really dull, but she's really good. So yeah, jump on and you can see pictures of us holding our trophies aloft last week and looking like we'd had maybe a couple of two champagnes. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, that is fantastic. That Thank was... you so much for your time. Pleasure. Uh, we are done. Jesse, you oh. want to wrap it up? Absolutely. Look, I think this has been an amazing conversation. Um, I'm certainly pumped up, Christian. I know you are. Um, Katie, you've been an absolute, like, wonderful guest. You've a bundle of energy. Um, and, like, I think hopefully our, our... We've got things to do at home. To Hopefully our listeners now are just... To, yeah, exactly. To, to mm. combat this, this waste issue. I, for example, may stop eating. <laughs> <laughs> Might help with the weight loss. 
Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, you just got to start eating more. You just got to find a place that buys from the Yumi platform. Yeah. And you can start eating your way through the problem. There we go. There okay, go. so do the opposite. And then yeah. you push out all this methane and anyway. <laughs> yeah, we were going so well. We needed one joke about that. And we finished the episode on Christian's fart joke. Fart joke. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we stopped there because otherwise it's going to get out of hand. Thanks very much, guys. We love you. See you next time. All right.